Seven Eleven. That's not a problem. Because we don't have to worry about fucking Brawl as a garbage fire corner. No. We already know that. We know that. Hey, it's Cole here. And this is Jeff. Welcome on in to another episode of the Triart Academy Podcast. Where it's, it's always better to get good rather than get wrecked. Now, this episode's topic is going to be one that's sure to spark, no pun intended, some debate within the community. This time around, we'll be looking at the question, should all planeswalkers be universally allowed as commanders? And under what context, if any, should they be legal, if at all? To better clarify, this article will not only contain some of the pros and cons of this topic, but also will contain some of the more viable concerns and corner cases related to this topic, including the curious question on commander damage, the absurd power potential in semi-casual and semi-competitive games. Mm-hmm. After all, can potato players deal with the rules change on this magnitude? Semi-casual, semi-competitive, sure. How does this affect CDH community? If at all, right? And there are, <laughs> and there are some concerns there. Yep. Uh, the wide open door of other legendary permanents becoming your commander due to this precedence. That's kind of funny, too. Uh, what other walkers could be potentially problematic? And then finally, which cards could or should be banned or be considered for banning if at all, if all walkers should become legal? So by the tone of what we've described so far, you may be wondering if we're going to take a side in this discussion. For the purposes of this discussion, we will not be taking any sides, merely just explaining them as we understand them in context. Ultimately, it will be up to you, the pilot, to decide whether or not you think walkers should be legal and in what context. So with that all said, let's first look at the pros of making all planes walkers legal. Definitely, let's kick this all off. Precedence. First, let's start it off with the obvious, and that there is already a precedence for this offense to take place. Yep. Since C-14, of course, and when commanders first were printed as commanders, that was that was a cat let out of the bag. Yeah, that's being polite. <laughs> and we've and then heck, even recently, was it C eighteen? Uh you're talking C nineteen. Yeah. Oh no no, well, yeah, yeah, yeah C eighteen. Yeah, C-18, we had the plane, right. another get we had another batch of planeswalker commanders. Sure, and you and, also had uh, the release of uh Modern Horizons <laughs> and uh more recently Throne of Eldraine, I guess. Yeah. Well, we also, also, I remember another play, playable set of Planeswalkers we also got right now. Sure. The Ronin Twins from uh, Battle Bond. Yeah, the Will, yeah, Will and Rowan uh, Kenrith. Yeah, the Kenrith Twins. So, yeah, no, this bag has already been let out. In fact, even in CDH alone, mm-hmm. one of the top decks, TCB stacks, is accepted viable archetype. Oh, yeah, no, and you're totally right to make mention of that. Teferi Chainvale has been an accepted archetype since it came out back in C14. Uh, and since then, the Son of a Gun has been putting up wonderful results all across the world. However, to date, that's been really the only walker to really ascend to the viability of uh, higher echelon tiers of CDH uh, viability. In fact, the only one that even remotely comes close to that would be Duretti Scrap Servant. And that would be pretty much only in an artifact shell. Yeah. Now, let's move on, shall we? Let's look at the diversification of the meta and or field because right now the meta is pretty much governed by partners right pretty much right so this leads us to our second point allowing walkers to be fully legal 
opens up the meta to new two and three card combos and synergies that could potentially give other established archetypes a run for their money and could be in competitive uh, semi-competitive circles give an opportunity to make some tribal decks even potentially viable in those circles for example uh now by making walkers legal the power level in turn would substantially increase in our opinion as an example let's take tamiel field researcher most people see her as a two-car combo with doubling season and that on the surface that would be a good assessment however that doesn't take into consideration certain setups for this interaction such as flash rector specifically flash with arena rector which can cheat out doubling season into play Oh, yeah, most definitely. Let's take another example off of this, of course. This time from a semi-competitive perspective. Normally, tribal decks are at best pub-stomp magic-worthy. Sure. And werewolves, obviously being one of the jokes of tribes and the Sure, they're no exception to this rule. <laughs> no, no exception to this rule, of, of course. One with any number of tribes. Swapping out Ulrich of the Cullen Horde for Arlen Kord from the Shadow over Innistrad yep. would, in our opinion, make a powerful upgrade to that already solid archetype in part because of her ability to defend yourself and on both sides of her, no less, and her emblems interaction with... Well, from, from the from the from, from the band Paradox Engine nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, assuming Paradox Engine was legal, uh, yeah, her emblems interaction with Paradox Engine would be kind of funny. <laughs> would have been. But since Paradox Engine is, isn't legal anymore, thank you, Sheldon Mentory, uh, that's a joke, by the way, that kids. Uh, let's move on, shall we? No, most definitely. Now, of course, these are just two examples with green in mind. What about blue? Let's look at blue. Tezzeret the Seeker, Tweaky Pete as I like to call him, can directly find any number of artifacts that will help him go infinite and will allow you an alternative for people who normally pay, play Teferi Temporal Archmage. One such line for Tezzeret, for example, would be killing off Tez as soon as he uh, hits the field the first time to find Rings of Brightheart, only to then replay Tezzeret again later to then go find Grim Monolith and Gemstone Array by copying the negative X ability on uh, Tezzeret with Rings of Brightheart. Mm -hmm. That's pretty nasty. Oh, yeah, I know. And here's another one for you. Another example of this whole thing, this time from Dominaria. Sure. And we were going to welcome you to Corporate Karn, a.k.a. Oh, yeah. Karn, Sign of Urza. Yep. With him as a commander, a pilot could potentially set itself up as a colorless stacks list that not only protects itself, mm -hmm. but also acts as card advantage from the command zone. Yeah, that's a very valid point. Now, these are just a few examples, but we're fairly sure you could come up with some of your own. Naturally, anything that generates raw card advantage will be a house to deal with and many creatures don't have the versatility that a Planeswalker, frankly, has. With the exception of maybe Deathrite Shaman. <laughs> Which is, quite frankly, almost banned in everything at this point. Well, it was banned in Legacy a year ago, but that's beside the point. Here's something for you. Boros, the red-headed stepchild of competitive commander. Oh, the ugly red-headed stepchild? Right. Boros, for example, with Nahiri the Harbinger at the helm, could potentially feasibly give access to card advantage from the command zone, and card advantage is something that Boros, as a color spectrum, struggles to deal with. This could also allow Boros to become more feasible in a semi-competitive meta, and even potentially, someday in the future, God forbid, become a CDH viable spectrum to operate under. You know, if Boros ever became CDH worthy, 
you know all of CDH was going to be just looking at it go, what the frick is happening now? Did, right. Did Armageddon come to our doorstep? Yeah, it came in the form of a four-mana sorcery. <laughs> uh, so let's look at our next point on this, which is interacting with walkers outside of combat. Yeah, no, this one is a pretty important one here. Sure. So with the advent of certain new sets in recent times, mainly, mainly during a couple extra sets, what the Ixalan, we had Ixalan a while back. We now have the we're going in through Eldraine. Sure, we had uh, ma- namely Ixalan and Amonkhet block. Yeah, that was years ago. Right. But you know, truth be told, is that. There were really a whole lot of options here, right? Sure, and now we have cards out there like the Immortal Sun that can shut off walkers with no problem. Which, by the way, you all should get your copies of Immortal Sun because that card is dope. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, how much is that card? Like 15, 20 bucks? Or is it like even higher than that? It's higher than that nowadays. That'd be interesting to look up. Now, putting that aside, of course, that doesn't count uh, cards like Vampire Hex Mage, Aether Snap, Hex Parasite... And cards like them that drain counters off of permanence. Now, what this means in context is that problematic walkers can still be interacted with on a proactive level and thus kept in check. Not to mention, we also involve cards like Bedevil and such like that that also straight up kill them. Sure, that's a good point. Downfall is a hilarious thing. Yep. In fact, let's get into the resiliency to kill kill effects. Which is is an issue on this one. Currently, there are a few different cards that can directly kill or either destroy exile planeswalkers. And unfortunately, most of those cards are quite frankly unplayable in the CDH meta. Sure, in part mainly due to uh, lack of space. lack of deck design space, right? <laughs> Outside of creature-oriented decks, you will generally have to play with certain types of catch-all removal cards that might see some day, but usually won't for various reasons. In sure. fact, Assassin's Trophy is a great example of a card that sees play on a regular basis, but do not rely on every deck to play that card. Sure, Abrupt Decay is another example. Yeah. Now, how about in the instance of board wipes, since that's an interesting point to look at, too. In that case, there's a handful or so cards in Magic's history that can wipe out a field full of walkers, but once again, most of them are unplayable in a competitive EDH context, either because of some downside, such as exiling all the permanents you control, such as what's seen with Apocalypse, or by having a high mana cost, such as in Garrick's Wake. While there are some exceptions that are relatively cheap to play and use, such as Hour of Revelation or Oblivion Stone, these are typically an exception and not the rule. Uh, As for spot removals related to walkers that are CMC4 and below, there are cards out there like Dreadbore, Ruinous Path, Hero's Downfall, Liliana's Defeat, Never to Return, and This is Defeat that exist. Although it's potentially possible that others could come along, that could be added to that list. Uh, of those, Never to Return doesn't really count. Because even though the Never side is 3 CMC, the total CMC of the card is 7. And in an Ad nauseum build, that's going to really hurt you. It could possibly even kill you. On the other hand, though, board wipes are a blocker's best friend. Cards like Obliterate and Jockle Hops can really set you up for a Planeswalker-oriented win if your opponents have no means of accessing your board. Mm-hmm. In stack-oriented builds that involve land destruction, this could say you have not only to defend your walker, but also put you in a position that will let you benefit off the misery of your opponents and if, slash, when they resolve. For those few, for those reasons, we feel that Planeswalkers, while some of them are powerful, will not be quite as impactful in the CDH meta. But will still be relative, relatively well positioned. Mm-hmm. And I would think, like, for example, uh, Lord Wingrace in a 
uh, Stax MLD hybrid shell could even possibly see uh, some fringe play. Almost definitely. Now, with that all said, let's like a, let's take a look at some of the cons of making all planeswalkers yes. legal. Because you know, because for every for every light side of the coin there is, there's also a dark side to this coin. Right, and let's get the first one just right out of the way. Doubling season. You know, this is about as obvious as it gets here. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, let's look at the elephant in the room, right? Doubling season. Instantly ultiming your planeswalker as soon as it hits due to the high-powered synergy that is inherent to doubling season can cause some massive feel-bads within the semi-casual to semi-competitive community. Uh, it probably won't do that, though, in regular competitive EDH. Yeah, no, because in the regular feel-bads is... <laughs> yeah, yo, no, we, we appreciate Himalayan pink salt. Some of us, like myself, appreciate Dead Sea Salt. <laughs> now, this, of course, doesn't take into consideration certain cards like Deep Close Gate and even Varel of the Holclade if you manage to turn him into an artifact or turn your walker into an artifact, which can let you double the counters on your walkers potentially at will. This naturally results in the bending of the color pie into the favor of green a bit heavier than normal. Walkers that appear to be a benefit the most from them becoming illegal will become more likely in no order of appearance. Tamio Field Researcher, Samut the Tested, Shahili Rai, and a teamer shell involving Sarkon the Unbroken. Yep. Zimnagos the Reveler. Sure. Sarkon Vald. Tuzrit the Seeker, and Braska the Unseen. Mm-hmm. To, to be fair, this doesn't take in consideration any number of rooks in Mono Green that could benefit here as well. Sure, and of those walkers mentioned... The walkers that appear to be the most CDH viable, in our opinion, are Tezzeret the Seeker in a TCB stack shell and Tamio Field Researcher in a Flash Rector style deck, which could in theory cause havoc for some oppose opponents, also it provided that it's in a stack shell. Of course, this doesn't account for any potential future walkers that are not yet printed, which could also change the meta. So another elephant in the room here that we need to talk about sure. is the whole thing on emblems. Yeah, the lack of direct interaction with Planeswalkers, specifically their emblems. So with the exception of Trickbind, Stifle, Bind, Void Slime, Nimble Obstructionist, Reroute, and a few other cards in all of Magic's history, there are no other cards that can directly deal with interacting with a Walker's emblem. And this can become a problem for control shells as cards like these are very few and far between. Almost definitely. And the fact is, this is not even considering those. It's like most people think of emblems, like some of the lower emblems, of course. But there's some really problematic emblems. Oh, yeah. Like, for example, if we want to take a look at an emblem like Ren and Six from more recent years oh. uh, from Modern Horizons, we see that you now have the ability to cast spells out of your graveyard. Now, granted... The thing that shuts that down are cards like Graph Digger's Cage and Static Grave Hate like Leyline of the Void. But can you imagine being able to play MLD from out of your yard? For pitching a basic for pitching a land? Counter spells for fun. Yeah, counter spells like Like okay, you know, Kess is bad enough in and of herself, and I love Kess, don't get me wrong. But can you being can you imagine being able to play any instant or sorcery at will out of your yard? Not on your turn? Well, shit, hell. We could bring it into old school Tamio in this one. Yeah. Her recycling gotta... clause? Like, Yuck. Wait, that... wait, 
Recycle without no drawback? What? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty gross. But let's move on before we start digressing any further. Let's look at the potential precedents for new car types that were not intended to be generals. So, with the advent of Dominaria block, we now have legendary sorcery cards, uh, such as Karn's Temporal Sundering, that sidestep the non-legendary permanent ex expectation. Using this precedence, we could possibly see cards like Genju of the Realms, any of the Nephilim from the Gilpack block, and many others being greenlighted for being allowed as generals, even though they were never intended to be. By proxy, this sidesteps the requirements for the rules of this format. Clarification will be necessary in order to deal with the confusion on this regard. Now, for the most part, I don't see much of any issue coming up within Competitive Commander, because at that rate, you'll end up coming up with rules in order to delineate stuff like that. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, but on the lower levels, such as playing semi-casual and semi-competitive, there could be a lot of misgivings one way or the other. Yeah. So, moving on, let's look at the delineation of commander damage. Now, this issue particularly pertains to Gideon-oriented planeswalkers, but could also pertain to any walker that has the capacity to either turn into a creature themselves or who can create creature tokens to do their bidding. Yeah, now this is something that requires some clarification on this behalf. However, though, I'm a big strong component, and I bet Jeff could side with me on this one. Sure. It is not that the fact that the card can do damage, it's the fact that the card itself deals combat damage, which is determined if it does commander damage. Sure. Now... I'm glad that you touched on that. I want to touch on that in just a little bit. Uh, before we do, though, we should also mention that there are other problematic generals uh, that can cause problems, such as Soren Markov. Uh, more specifically, its interaction with Wound Reflection could instantly kill an opponent. That's pretty powerful right there, just oh. by coming out. Now, other walkers could also include Sarkon the Dragon Speaker, Koth of the Hammer, Nickel Bolus the Ravager, or any of the Origin uh, Flipwalkers from Magic Origins. Now, let's move on from there onto uh, what we were originally talking about. In a semi-casual to semi-competitive environment, any of these cards could potentially be an issue if a delineation isn't made, and this is where we're getting into combat damage. Now, in our collective opinion, uh, Walker's specifically the commander should be allowed to do commander damage but the question becomes whether or not it should be just the walkers themselves or should that also extend over to the token should they be able to create them and the reason why is because the walker itself is responsible for creating those tokens since there is a lack of discernment as to what constitutes commander damage for the purposes of planeswalkers this issue should be clarified before moving forward in order to avoid any feel-bads. Under normal circumstances, it is the card itself that is responsible for commander damage. However, with the advent of walkers becoming legal, there is the possibility that tokens and or other representations of the card can do damage on its behalf, which could in theory constitute commander damage. In CDH context, commander damage is usually not a thing, no, quite it, frankly. As in storm combos and stack combos are usually a lot more effective in this respect, we don't foresee this becoming an issue. 
one way or the other for CDH. Oh, yeah. In fact, I think the only commander that even remotely wins off a of commander damage technically is Goto Bandit Warlord. And that's if all their and that's if their main plan goes away and it goes away. Like, uh-oh, time to go to plan B. Right. You're going to start smacking people to death. <laughs> Speaking of plan B, let's, loop, let's move on to the next section, which is, in case of emergency, break glass. We're going to be talking at this point about problematic cards post-legalization. So, which walkers could become problematic? Let's look at that. Which cards could or should be banned or be considered banning if walkers become legal? In this particular section, our final section, we'll be discussing that here briefly. So, the cards that immediately come to mind, at least for me, and by all means, feel free to throw your two cents in, Cole. Mm-hmm. Teferi, Temporal Archmage, is a problem. Arena Rector. Academy Rector. Doubling Season. The Chain Veil. Tamiyo Field Researcher. And Tezzeret the Seeker. You know, I'm actually on board to say that you've actually... That this list here that you've put up, I th- is pretty solid. Alright, I think Venzor, the Venzor, um, Summonjor, could become a major issue. Venzor? Yeah, because he makes Brago look like a pushover in his own archetype. Venzor the Sojourner does naturally have the ability to exile a permanent. That could be potentially problematic. Yeah, that could be problematic. Teferi Time Raveler? Yeah, no. That's funny. Telling people, no, you cannot play Magic. <laughs> Except on your turn. Yeah, that yeah. could be a problem. That could Teferi, Hero of Dominaria. Yeah. Oko, Thief of Crowns, could be funny. Oh, yeah, no. There's a list of Planeswalker here that could cause issues. And the fact is, though, is that, first off, if we're thinking outside of Planeswalkers, now we're bringing an Academy Rector, right? Right. Which could d- tutor up Doubling Season. Yep. And Doubling Season, I hate to admit to it, but Doubling Season with any of these commanders is almost an auto-include. Yeah. If you have green and you're playing a, a Planeswalker commander... Mm-hmm. Are you playing doubling season? If you're not, you're wrong. Right, right. Obviously, this doesn't take into consideration any other walker that can directly tutor, such as any of the Lilianas, or any other walker that hasn't been created up to this point. But the general idea is that if the walker itself can support a two-card combo, which can set up an immediate win from the command zone, then the card, at the very least, deserves a second look and a possible consideration for banning in the future. Uh, as for cards like Gideon of the Trials and other Gideons as well, uh, we personally see these cards as more of an annoyance than an actual possible problematic card. For now, though, let the chips fall where they may and let's see how things sort themselves out. So, at the end of the day, regardless of whatever happens, it's up to you, the pilot, and at the individual meta to decide what's reasonable and what's not. At higher stakes level, it becomes a deadly game of can you top this as the table wins can be determined simply by responding at the right time or not responding appropriately. Yep. At a more casual level, however, though, not all players have that depth of knowledge of the stack or the rules, so they may take advantage of the situation. Yep. Now, either way, it'll be intriguing to see how the ban list shakes itself out over the next several months to years. Uh, And as events develop, we'll let you know where we stand and what our ponderings are with respect to Planeswalkers potentially becoming legal. Now that's all the time that we have for this episode of the Triart Academy Podcast. As always, if you like this content, please consider liking, sharing, and subscribing for further content. And as always, it's it's always always better better to get good rather than get wrecked. wrecked.